From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 205 for the week of October 10th, 2013. I'm your host for this segment, Michael Bowling. My guest for this segment is Rob Fenler. Rob has been working in the animation industry since 2005 as either a director, animator, or story artist. Disney fans may be familiar with his work on the series Swampy's Underground Adventure, which he directed for Disney Online and the Disney Channel. In the parks, Rob's animation can be seen in both Innoventions and Spaceship Earth in the Project Tomorrow interactive experience. Since 2006, Rob has been part of the all-volunteer operating crew at Walt's Barn in Griffith Park, and in August of this year, he was put in charge of the Storybookland Village restoration and fundraising efforts through the Carrollwood Foundation. Rob, thank you for joining us on the Diz Unplugged. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, our pleasure. So now, what came first, your passion for Disney and then animation, or animation first and then Disney? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I would say animation first, but I think uh, I was probably in the seventh grade when I was given the assignment to do a biography on a famous person. I chose Walt. And uh, in, in doing the research on Walt, I, uh, I discovered just how animation is made. And that from then on, I was, I was hooked on, on the whole, I was fascinated by the process of it. So that's... From that point on, I geared my whole career into going towards animation. So, um, so then, have you always worked for Disney, or was Disney your ultimate goal, or were there other things that you had hoped to do? Um, it, I wouldn't say it was an ultimate go- goal. Um, and actually, you know, I still technically haven't worked for Disney. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done I've done things for them, but. Um, uh, but I've never actually been an employee of the Walt Disney Company. Um, but but it, you know it's there there are always a uh, um, that was always a a big part of uh, me being in the animation industry was um, maybe one day having an opportunity like like directing a, a TV series for them or rather an online series. Mm-hmm. Well, now two years ago, Disney Interactive introduced the Where's My Water app, and the hero Swampy became an instant hit. And so much so that Disney uh, or Disney released Swampy merchandise into the theme parks. And so, when did Disney decide to develop Swampy's Underground Adventures, and how did you become involved in that? That happened. Um That happened about July of last year, 2012. Um, they approached Animax um, Entertainment, which is a, the studio I was working at. Um, Animax uh, is a known for their Flash animation, mostly. And they uh, Disney Online approached them to uh, build out this series um, for for their online channel, and uh, um, it eventually and their their new, new Disney Online um, website. So. They they came to us um, with with the characters and said, well, let's build this out. Let's let's further uh, expand on this world of Swampy. Uh, they had a little bit of Swampy uh, character development in in the game itself. They had little comic panels that kind of to- told told the story of the characters, 
but we we took that and ran with it. Um, you know, we basically had twelve episodes to to explore this world, and we and uh, we did everything from a, a little horror episode to a an adventure episode to um, even a political episode. All within the sewer, uh, with just alligators and with no dialogue whatsoever. So, which made it cool because you could eat it, uh, immediately make it uh, available to international audiences. I also like how there were also little um, sort of more moral morality stories in, involved in a lot of them, and um, about Swampy working together or thumbs up for cleaning up. I remember was one. Yeah, of the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was the. The, the our political episode you could say um yeah it, if you look at swampy and the characters they they very much mirror um uh the fab five you have swampy who's uh, basically falls into the mickey mouse category you have cranky who's um kind of the anti-hero i guess but um but not super bad guy so he's kind of like donald um then you have Allie, who's uh, the the girl alligator. She's Minnie Mouse. Um, then you have some other side characters, which they do have names we never really explored, and they're not really talked about. But there's this one character named Carl, who's uh, he's the goofy character. Um, he's always eating a bag of trash, um, and he has a very kind of silly voice, we, which we all loved. We we always wish we could do a lot more with that one character, Carl. And then there's two other characters um, named Pushy and Chubby, and uh, they you could kind of see them as kind of like Chip and Dale. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, all together they kind of make this nice little uh, group of characters that um, make for great storytelling. It is, and it's amazing. In they're under three minutes, but you know they're, they're they are they're great stories. They're a lot of fun. I they're on. Um, they're online on YouTube and all that too, where I saw them, and I really enjoyed them. They're not just for for you know young people. Yeah, we jam <laughs> a lot into those three minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, and it's really good quality animation as well. Well, thank you very much. I I, I appreciate that comment. I because that's what I strive for is is really making sure the animation quality is is you know top notch. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do it in Flash, but we do it in Flash in a way that it doesn't look like what people would expect flash animation to look like. Now, now with where's my water Two recently released is swampy is swampy's television career or online career going to continue. Do you know? Um, that's yet to be seen. Uh, it would be great. There's, they just released that, uh, the new where's my water Two, um, which, uh, animex actually did some animation for that. So instead of just a static comic book, uh, style, um, image, the animex did some, uh, animation with Swampy and the characters for the game itself. So, um, yeah, well, if, uh, you know, the, altogether those 12 episodes online, um, have surpassed about, uh, 56 million views. So who knows? Um, well, might see more. Good. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for, for Swampy in his yeah. future. <laughs> there, it was, it was a lot of fun. Those are great characters and, you know, you can do so much with them. Now, what was your role in in bringing Swampy, you know, to to this world? Oh, uh, well, they, uh, I didn't really have any role in creating the character that was done um, uh, prior to 
Disney approaching us. They right. had the game and everything was all all set and that was all released. So they uh, they wanted to explore you know one of their properties that um, in in this online format and. I see, you know, it's a great way to do it to kind of test the waters, <laughs> no pun intended, um, of, uh, of what you can do with these characters. And the fact that they were, you know, there's no dialogue kind of, uh, it makes you rely on, uh, the purely the animation and purely the, the, um, you know, you don't get a lot of talking heads. You have to show, show what's going on. Right. Right, and they do have some vocalization, so you do get the sense of their emotion and, yeah, and what they're um, trying to communicate. Yeah, uh, Justin Bowler, who, who uh, was the he was the voice of Swampy for the game, and um, we brought him back to do the voice of Swampy. And he actually does he does all the other male characters um, in the in the game and in the the series. So for for characters that don't say anything, he 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 brought a lot of diversity to each one. <laughs> um, and then Allie for our series was voiced by, uh, Kate Micucci, who, um, you know, is pretty well, he's pretty famous in her own right. Um, she is part of the duo, uh, Garfunkel and Oates, um, <laughs> playing the ukulele. And, uh, she's on this, you know, the TV series, raising hope, mm-hmm. but she was, she was super cool. She came in and did Alley, which is, you know, all these characters are nothing more than, you know, ar, 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 you know. <laughs> so, okay, a lot well, of fun. It, was, it is a lot of fun to watch, so we'll look forward to hopefully seeing more of Swampy. Now, in 2007, the first um, interactive exhibits at Epcot Spaceship Earth's Project Tomorrow open. Now, where would we see your work in Project Tomorrow? I, I have did a small little piece uh, in in that um, experience. Uh, it, I was uh, hired on by Big Buddha Baba, which was a, a studio that developed that experience. Um, it's it was basically a choose your own future kind of thing, where it asks you a bunch of questions, and based on the answers you give, it compiles a short cartoon at the end. Um, uh, that and it also takes your photo um, on Spaceship Earth. They have it's a touch screen that's in the actual um, ride vehicle itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, at in Interventions, it's a kind of a kiosk, you could say. Um, and and it puts your face on the character uh, in the the cartoon. So um, it, my role, I, I was working on the. Uh, there's like a little car that transforms into a spaceship that transforms into a submarine and there's a like a uh what looks like a people mover car that is oh, joined right. up to look like a monorail yeah uh-huh. so i worked on that so oh very little, cool little bits but it was kind of cool to be like oh, I, I have stuff in spaceship earth you do i mean yeah seen by millions of people <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, I mean, i've seen that all the time earth, so i i i kind of geek out about that uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, so what? What's it like when you go there and you see your own work? What's that experience like? Oh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I I never really thought that that would that that would happen, but um, it's amazing how much once you start going along this career path, you know, things kind of fall in your lap, and you know, that was one of those things, and I guess you could say the storybook land is another one of those things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. and- 
Most of us that are familiar with Disneyland know that Walt Disney had a fascination with trains and making models and miniatures, so much so he constructed a model railway that Carol would express in his backyard. And uh, the barn for his model railway has been restored as a Griffith Park where you're a part of the operating crew. So how did you become interested in the Carolwood Society? I had always been interested in, in model railroads, and um, when I when I figured out that Walt had this fascination for trains, that kind of it, it surprised me because I didn't really know that part about Walt's personal life. But it, it makes sense when you start looking at what kind of projects he was into and what spawned the whole idea of Disneyland. If you look at Disneyland itself. It really is just a model train set that is on a very large scale. It's a scale model of a train that goes around in a circle. And just like if you had a circle of track that, that you would have from a model train set, you'd get little houses that are scale models, and you'd stick them in there in little roads. And that's what Disneyland is. It's a model train set that you can actually just walk around in. <laughs> I never thought of that, but and then when you think of the number of trains that are actually within the park itself, oh yeah, as well that he added in over the years. Some are gone now, but many are still there. Right. It was almost that. It, it almost feels like Disneyland was a motivation for Walt to be able to just play trains because that, the- that was one of his first thing that he built was the the railroad, and um, you know he and, and he made sure that he was the owner of it too. Right. Um, the Retlaw company was his own personal company that ran the railroad right and the monorail as right well exactly yeah so and and actually that was the one thing that was always part of every iteration of his theme park was there was always a train going around yes. every iteration of it so then how did you become involved um, in carolwood what you you were interested in trains so what made you decide to get involved with them? Well, you know, living in Southern California, you have so much that's here um, available. Um, and I, I learned about the, uh, the, his, the Disney barn, which was, you know, his workshop, and that, that's over in Griffith Park, and in fact that you could go there and volunteer. Um, so I jumped right at that and, and started volunteering there. And, uh, which is a great place. If, if any Disney fans have, haven't been there, I highly recommend it because it is not only is it one of the only free, if not the only free Disney attraction in Southern California or in California itself, but it's, it's like a little museum and it's, it's all run by volunteers and it's all run by people who care about, um, preserving that, the, the history of Walt Disney, the person and, um, his love for trains. So, um, so you feel that when you walk in there, you can ask anybody that's volunteering there, and they'll 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 give you an earful about Walt and trains and and everything. So it's a lot of fun. Um, so, but they 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 also get involved with a lot of projects too. Um, they most recently had uh, acquired one of the combine the combine car from Disneyland. When Disneyland first opened, they had a, a set of train cars, which was called the Retlock cars, which were, if you ever see old photos of Disneyland, um, usually behind the E.P. Ripley engine, 
is pulled uh, a yellow set of train cars, which are enclosed. They don't use those anymore um, because the once the, the Grand Canyon uh, diorama was put in, you couldn't really see it that well from those cars. So they got swapped out for the current ones that you have in the park now. Um, so those, so one of those train cars, first one, well, one of them is still there on the track. That's the Lily Bell car is from that original Rhett Law set. They've painted it red, but it used to be the yellow um, Grand Canyon car. Uh, so the first car from that set, it was the Combine car, and that was apparently Walt's favorite. And so the Carewood um, Foundation had the opportunity to uh, acquire that car and restore it, and now it's sitting out next to Walt's barn. So it's it's really cool to see that. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece. I saw it when they first got it, and it was it needed a lot of work. And then I saw it more recently after its restoration, and they did a magnificent job. Oh yeah, it looks it. like it just wa- it rolled right out of Disneyland yesterday. Exactly, exactly. And now, um, what do you do as part of the operating crew? Uh, we basically act as docents, you could say, for and and guides to people um, coming to visit the the barn. Um, it's you know, it's it's something you can do in an afternoon, um, and they're only open every third Sunday of the month um, from eleven to three, and, and uh, we basically. Uh, give people information and um, share our love for uh, Disney and trains and and all that kind of stuff. So, do you sort of get a, a chill up your spine when you know you're in the barn that Walt constructed that he and that he called his happy place? Oh yeah, it's really. I mean, there's there's little things here and there. I mean, they have. It's, it's it is basically Walt. I mean, to put it bluntly it's walt man cave is what it was it was his, it was where he went to go get away and for him to just uh you know be in his own world away from just everything for him to uh, play around with his trains and um work on his you know the models and he built like the the caboose for the um carewood uh the carewood pacific he built that himself in that barn so uh, yeah, so it's kind of neat to be in there and think this this is where this table this Walt worked at, the, at this table this is the sink this is the the pencil sharpener he used when he was drafting up all his plans. And there's even track from his original Carolwood Pacific Railway that's oh, on yeah. display. Yeah, and all that. And now, have you been to the Walt Disney Family Museum to see the 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 train itself on display? Yes. Yes, they have it. They have it up there. Um, uh, they still have. We still have one car um, from from that set uh, at the barn, and it's sitting on top of uh, some of the original track. But but how they have it presented up at the family museum is really incredible. Um, so yeah, it's been it's it's great that they they uh, have it up there. Yeah, the original Lily Bell. Yeah, and and some of the cars. Right. There. Now yeah. what? So when when folks would go go and visit um, the, the Carolwood Society, what would they see there? What are some of the things that they can do? Well, we have not like the combine. I said um, they also uh, Ollie Johnston, um, one of the nine old men. He had a 
model railroad in his backyard, another um, uh, live steam railroad that you could ride on. And he had a little train station out there that was um, it was a, his it was a, basically a playhouse for his kids, but it was but acted as the the train station for his his little railroad. So when um, when his house was sold, they the family offered uh, the the station to the Carrollwood Foundation to put out at the barn, and so that's sitting out there as well. Um, and uh, so they have that. There's some there's some uh, items from Ward Kimball, um, who was also a huge train uh, aficionado, who had a full size railroad in his backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some pieces from Roger Brogy, who was Imagineer, the first Imagineer, who was also the father of Michael Brogy, who um, co-founded the Carrollwood Pacific Historical Society. Uh, and uh, there's also some other models uh, that follow the same plans of the Lily Bell. So if you want to get an idea of the size, there is a couple uh, locomotives there on display. We also have uh, one of another locomotive that Walt uh, purchased in England. Um, he he went up against Harper Goff. This is where he met Harper Goff. The um, he was. I don't know if you, Harper Goff designed the uh, Golden Horseshoe and was mm-hmm. um, one of Walt's major Imagineers at the time that mm-hmm. the park was being developed. And so he met Harper Goff in England. They were both they both wanted this one engine, and Walt ended up getting it. But uh, in the process, he made a lifetime friend with Harper, and uh, so that engine is on display. Um, Walt had every intention of running that um, on his backyard railroad, but it got water damaged on the on the way back. It was never never able to run, but it's on display there at the barn, um, mm-hmm. as well as just a lot of you know artifacts relating to Walt's railroading. And also, um, people can ride model trains there as well. Yes, at, it's part of it's in the same complex of the Los Angeles Live Steamers. Mm-hmm. Um, so just down the way, you can go into the, that section of, of the Griffith Park and ride uh, ride on a train, much like Walt's train, and that which goes right around the barn and goes right. all throughout that whole area, which is it's a really neat little ride. And, and also, if folks want, really want to go back to where it all started, not terribly far from there, is the carousel. That Walt took his daughters to, and and that he sat on the bench watching them on the carousel. He formulated his plans for Disneyland. Oh yeah. So yeah. so you can definitely get a full day of Disney history there at Griffith Park. Right. Now, Walt's love of miniatures inspired the Storybook Land canal boats. Um, right. And although this was an opening day attraction in 1955. The miniature cottages, villages, and castles weren't added until 1956. But what a lot of people don't realize is the miniatures there now are not the originals. So, and and Carrollwood Pacific is now taken on a project that's related to Storybookland canal boats. I should say Carrollwood Society. Um, so, what happened to the original Storybookland buildings, and how is Carrollwood Society involved with them? Okay, so um, 
So the in 1956, they uh, Walt wanted to put in those the Storybook Land miniatures, and so um, right away, uh, Fred Yerger and um, Harriet Burns and um, Waithel Rogers, uh, they all went to work on these miniatures, and um, and so those went in in 1956 and had been in in place for. Um, most of the century until um, sometime in the 80s they were removed and replaced with uh, sure just how many were replaced it's likely that all of them but I don't know that for sure but one set in particular um, from Cinderella's Castle uh, Cinderella's Castle's up on that hill that Casey Jr. goes through and as you follow the trail where the little pumpkin carriage is it goes right next to uh, a whole village uh, it's called the French Village. Um, so that whole chunk of, of storybook land was um, was replaced uh, due to water. Um, you know, these these buildings were made out of uh, marine plywood, um, and they were coated with polyurethane resin to help waterproof them. But you know, from '56 into the '80s, that's quite a bit of time for. Um, to be exposed to the elements so mm-hmm. so because of the water damage they had to be replaced so these were set aside and actually a former um, former Imagineer um, decided to save them and he had every, every intention of kind of restoring himself maybe putting them at, at his house but uh, eventually he decided well it's too much so he decided to donate it to the Carewood Foundation um, with the thoughts that maybe we could do something with them so these, this village is basically this. This was created by Walt's first Imagineers, um, so it's pretty special. So it's 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 a block of houses that you know put all together um, makes this really neat example of Walt's uh, love for miniatures and his love for you know miniature detail to uh, you know extreme levels. So now, so now, what is the restoration process that that you will have to go through to bring these back to their, you know, original beauty? Well, it'll be it's going to have to be pretty extensive because uh, in many cases these the buildings are crumbling. Um, you know, I'm actually looking at one piece right now that's over in my shop here that it's the whole front of it has crumbled off. So it's going to take quite a bit to. Um, Preserve the, what's what's there and rebuild what what isn't there, and to make them look uh, presentable again. We love w- the goal is to uh, make them look as though they did uh, when they were in the park and um, give people the opportunity to see these things up close and really appreciate the detail and the and the hard work that went into these because they. I mean, you when you see them in the park. You, you're a bit of ways away, and you go by um, pretty quickly. So to see them up close and to see what what went into them is really kind of special. So we, we really want to share that with people um, and make sure that these aren't lost forever because they're, they're darn close to being lost forever. 
So now, so now, what what is Carrot Society going to have to do in order? Because this sounds like it's not going to be inexpensive. Um, so, what's Carrot Society going to have to do to begin the project? Well, so because Carrot the Carrot Foundation is operates completely; it's a nonprofit, and it operates completely through donations and volunteer. So, we're for the first time we're doing a uh, a crowdfunding. Um, fundraising campaign um so we're going to be doing a uh, in indiegogo um campaign to raise the money for the for the materials cost basically for um for the restoration and getting them to getting the exhibit um assembled we're going to the plan is to put them together in uh kind of like a mobile cart um you could say that will not only protect them from the elements, um, but also give them a little bit of shade so that we can put lights back inside and light up all the windows so people can have both the experience of um, storybook land at night and at day. So it'll be kind of neat. Um, and the goal is, and, and it will also be mobile too, So um, it, which opens up the possibility of, of us taking it on the road to, you know, maybe another D23 or... Um, Maybe even up to the family museum. Who knows? But we could. But that possibility is there. That would be great. Do you have a a, a dollar goal that you're you're looking at? Um, we have a few dollar milestones. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the first milestone would be uh, six thousand, which is you know relatively modest for the. Gets it um, back up and on display, and then there's you know various milestones from there. If we can raise more money to uh, you know expand on the on the exhibit itself, um, so there's the basic display or the the, the fancy cart that um, is really themed. We're kind of the theme for the whole exhibit. Um, if I could kind of back up a little bit, the uh, the fact that we're putting it over at the barn, the fact that this is part of the Carrollhood Foundation, which is mostly railroad-related stuff with Walt, um, people might think, well, wait, storybook land, that's not entirely railroad-related. Well, in in reality, it it kind of is. Um, If you look at the original plans of Disneyland, uh, those plans called out for an entire land called Lilliputian land. And that land, if you look at even Herb Ryman's famous drawing, up in the top right corner is this whole Lilliputian land with uh, with an engineer riding on a locomotive that looks, oddly enough, just the Lily Bell. Um, so in all intents and purposes, Lily, the Lily Bell would have been the train that would have run around Lilliputian land, which is now storybook land. And instead of the Lily Bell, you have Casey Jr., Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of how we're tying it all together, and the the cart itself will be kind of like a traveling cart, much like in the way uh, Walt's original idea for Disneyland was Disneylandia, which was a traveling exhibit of miniatures. So um, we're kind of keying in on that. Right. So, it makes sense. Um, yeah. It, it all kind of falls together, you know. It's the 
we're calling the exhibit the the small worlds of Walt because it, every all of these things that Walt was into they're all small worlds of Walt, whether it's Disneyland or the, his the Carolwood Pacific, um, you know they are all his fascination of with miniatures. So, so how can people get involved in this project? Because this is a really unique way that people who admire Walt Disney can get involved in, in something that he was directly involved with and, and sort of bringing back, bringing his vision of something he really enjoyed to life again. So, um, so, so how can we get involved and help with this project? Yeah, and not only that, but it's also it's preserving uh, these models that were created by Disney legends. Um, so uh, the so the way people can can get involved, they can uh, visit uh, the the blog for this whole project is uh, smallworldsofwalt.com. Um, we have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com/smallworldsofwalt, um, and We'll be launching the Indiegogo campaign on October 11th. And, you know, with an Indiegogo campaign, the way those things work is when you uh, donate a certain amount, there's various levels that you can donate at, and you get little rewards in return. So we're um, doing a set of, of pins. We're doing a, a set a T-shirt. Um, and for we're also doing a, a set of actual pieces of the of the attraction for um, we're only doing a very limited amount because you know we don't want to give away the whole thing but um, <laughs> there won't be anything left <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know as we're doing this whole thing there's there they are they're they're falling apart so that we can't piece back all of Humpty Dumpty here. Um, so there's there's little there's little fragments and things that we can offer as um, you know pieces of of this historic thing. So uh, we're we'll be uh, offering ten of those um, uh, at a one of the premium levels of donation. So um, people, if there's some diehard Disney fans out there that definitely want something that. <laughs> Was, that was handmade by uh, the actual Disney legends. Uh, then this is probably one of the rare opportunities to get your hands on that. If people will buy a Christmas light off the electrical parade, they'll buy, they'll they'll go for that. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, to have a piece of of the original Storybook Land Village. So. Right. Um, so, and we'll have links, the links that you mentioned right now, we'll have in our show notes um, so that, um, you know, folks can click on those and learn more about, about, um, about this project. So now what, what else is um, coming yes, up? Be great. Yeah, what else is coming up at the Carolwood Society? Yeah, so Carolwood will be having um, some special guests coming out um, in the coming months you know they're they're open every third Sunday of the month, and uh, coming up on October twentieth, um, Dave Bostert is going to be at the barn doing a book signing for his uh, book on Roy E. Disney, and uh, and also he'll join by uh, um, Roy Patrick Disney. Um, so 
that'll be October 20th. Um, on November 17th, um, Sam uh, Genoway will be out there doing a book signing on his new book. So um, there's a lot of things happening there at the barn. And uh, if people want to uh, get information on the, the calendar and other events happening at the at the barn, uh, they can go to carrollwood.com. Um, for that information and information just about the Carrollwood Pacific Historical Society if you want to come out and volunteer or join the historical society. Excellent. And and a person doesn't have to live in Southern California to be a member of the historical society. So No, I, absolutely not. Yeah, because I have plenty of friends up here in Northern California that are members. Yeah, yeah. There's, well. people, there, there's people all over the world that are, are historical society members. Great. And and when we visit Walt's Barn, will you also have a jar, you know, that we can make donations to for the Storybook Land Restoration <laughs> Project? Yes. Yeah, they'll, <laughs> yeah there'll, there'll be something there, too. Okay, good. Because, you know, you got you got to get it any way you can. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we'll, any, we'll just a little slot in one of the buildings and set that out there. Yeah, that's right, for a night drop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the when yeah, cuz that's right cuz you guys are uh, um, they're only open at, on what the third weekend of the month? Yeah. I so mean, that's right when people wander by and are disappointed to find you closed, you have to have the little <laughs> drop box there. <laughs> so, has there ever been any talk of expanding the hours, expanding the weekends? You know, it's possible, but because we're all volunteering, it mm-hmm. it puts a lot of stress on on the volunteers getting enough people to to staff it all because you know no one no one's getting paid to do this i'm not getting paid to do this restoration it's all right. out of my own you know appreciation appreciation um so yeah it, it it's i think that's why it, it's so limited in the hours um but but for the rest of the time, the, the Los Angeles Life Steamers is open. They're open every weekend, so you can get on the train there, and and if uh, it, that which will go around the barn, so you can at least see it. You can at least mm-hmm. see the barn from the outside. Yeah. Well, I think this is a, a wonderful way that those of us who appreciate Disney history, appreciate the parks, can sort of give back in a way and and be a part of Disney history. By helping restore the French village, the original French village from um, Storybook Land. So, so, um, and Rob, I hope you'll keep us up to date. You know, let me know how you're progressing. We'll report back on the show. Yeah, know, absolutely. Um, you know how you're doing, and, and let our listeners know. Um, you know how the project is progressing. Yeah. So, yeah, and you know, t- people can follow the progress on, like I said, on the blog, um, smallworldsofwalt.com, or the Facebook page. Or they can even follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Fenler on Twitter, and uh, I post post some photos of what I'm doing, um, and you know, you can see what the inside of Storybook Land looks like. You know, those kind of things. Oh, excellent! Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll see if any princesses visit you as right. you restore it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, princesses and, again, and cobwebs. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that would be a good title for a book. We just have to work out the rest of it. <laughs> but, um, but, and again, we'll have all of those links and, and Rob's, um, the Twitter in our show notes as well. So, well, Rob, thank you very much for being on, on the Diz Unplugged. Yeah, you're welcome. It. This was a lot of fun. 
It was. I enjoyed it. And um, and good luck with the project. I'm looking forward to visiting there and, and seeing the original French Village someday soon. Thank you. I so, appreciate it. Welcome. And that concludes this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Please listen to our other segments this week. Thank you for listening and be magical. <laughs> 